Hey friends, welcome. My name is Joe. This is The Joe Martino Show. And today we're going to talk about what happens when you can't find the why. If you're an adult survivor of childhood trauma, you might think, I have to understand the why in order to move forward. What happens if you can't? Maybe you're a parent that overreacts to your children and you want to know what happened in my childhood that brought me to this place. Today we're going to talk about how you move forward if you can't find that why. Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. Hello, friends. Welcome back. Uh, first of all, before we get into anything else today, I want to let you know that registration for the March Marriage Retreat in Florida is now closed. Uh, it is closed, but we are planning on doing another one in May or, or the fall. We're not quite sure which. Would love to hear from you if you feel May would work better for you or, or, or the fall. Let us know. Uh, I know some of you reached out and you're like, hey, I'd like to do this, but I'd like to stay at the hotel where the venue's at and that we're not. This March conference is not at a hotel uh, and there's no accommodations at the venue that we're at. And so that has created some stress for some of you who are like, hey, I'd like to sign up, but I need lodging to be uh, at the venue. The next one we do, we're going to do it that way. I think we're going to alternate a little bit in, in between. I have had some of you reach out and be like, hey, I'd really like to do this, but I don't want to do it with a bunch of other people that I don't know. That scares me. You can do a couple things. If you'd like to do this one, you could wait till we have one that's in your area that's more of a, a broad group, if you will, and we're, we're doing those. Uh, we just, you know, put a contract to, to paper uh, to doing a conference in Southwest Ohio. Is that Southwest or Southeast? Southwest Ohio, uh, down in the Cincinnati area. I had to stop and think about my geography for a minute. If you're laughing at me right now, that's okay. I'm laughing at me too. And uh, we did set this up, though, uh, so those tend to be bigger. You know, you could have anywhere from 50 couples. I've done a couple that have had, you know, a couple hundred couples in them. And, and so there, there's anonymity in, in the size. If you wanted the more, because what, what you lose there is the one-on-one touch. And that's why we went with six couples, because between my wife and I, we can split you up into groups of, you know, two groups of three couples. We can split you up into just your couple, and we have enough space to work with our three couples, each person. Not that you would work with the other two couples, but you understand what I'm saying, I hope. What you could do is you could do what we call an intensive, and that is just you and your spouse. Uh, you could bring another couple to help defray the cost. We would take up to two couples. This is very intense. This is this is a boot camp for healing in relationships, and it is three days of, of really one-on-one interactions with my wife and I. We max it out at two couples because that gives us time to be just one-on-one with you. This is great for couples that are in danger. If you're in danger, this is a great jump start for you. It's a great building block of a foundation for you. I, I know right now that there are a long waiting list for couples counseling. Uh, there's a long waiting list for individual counseling. And, and those lines are probably only getting longer as the need goes up and the people in the field are, are, is diminishing. People are leaving the field. And so if you're in a negative narrative, if you're caught up in something where you're like, we don't know what to do, this is a great option. The second people that this is great for is people are like, you know, we're pretty good, but we really want to take some time and just 
hone in on where we can get better. And there's going to be some emails before you go to the conference where we're going to get to know you. Uh, you'll have to do a Zoom call with me where I can get to know you a little bit. We have some questions we want you to fill out. And we want to show up really prepared to, to move you by having a plan that is detailed for you. If you're interested in something like that, reach out to me directly. Just reach out to me directly on any of my uh, socials. You know, you can start at joemartino.com. Reach out there. Let me know that you're interested, and we'll go from there. Okay, so we've just done two series. First of all, we did a series on defense mechanisms and and the different ways that we tend to, de- to defend ourselves. Then I did a series on the question of why. If you can find your why, you'll be able to endure a lot of different things. You'll be able to endure a lot of hardships if you know why you're doing something. If someone is passionate about something and they know the why, they know why they're doing whatever it is or why they're going through whatever it is they're going through, they tend to do well. Today, I want to make a switch, though, and I want to ask you, what do we do if we don't find the why? And and there's two ways that this happens. One, I'll work with couples sometimes, and usually it's the husband, sometimes it's the wife, but there is there is an explosive defensiveness piece to the the relationship that they want to work through, that they want to navigate, that they quite frankly want to end. And often the wife believes that, hey, if we could figure out why he gets defensive, like maybe it's because his mom made him take ballet. I actually had somebody ask me that once when he was seven and kids made fun of him. Or maybe it was because his dad didn't, you know, treat him emotionally right. And maybe all of that's right. But what here's what happens. What happens when we go through all those things and the, and the husband's like, no, none of that happened to me. Like I actually didn't care that people made fun of me when I played ballet. I, I enjoyed ballet. Or you don't play ballet, you dance ballet. I enjoyed ballet. And it didn't really bother me. And and because then we get caught in a, well, I don't believe you scenario. Usually the wife saying that. I as a therapist don't typically say that. But right, okay. And, and so now the question is, well, if we can't gain this insight that is necessary, as believed by the spouse, to move forward, what do we do? The other side of that is I'll work with individuals who have been traumatized, who have been exploited and victimized and assaulted. And what happens is they'll often say, well, I'm stuck if I can't figure out the why. If I can't figure out the why, I'm stuck. Like, let's just say that John was abused by someone in his family. And and unfortunately, peer-to-peer abuse is very high. Family abuse is also kind of high when you look at the numbers. And it often gets covered up by the family two ways. One, they don't report it to the authorities. And two, if the victim remembers, they will often say things like, no, it didn't happen, it didn't happen, until it all comes out. And for a lot of the people that I walk with, this comes out after the parents who covered it up passed away. And so now there's really very minimal hope to figure out the why of what happened and why did you, mom and dad, cover it up. Or sometimes the person just refuses to tell you the why. They're alive. They just won't talk about it. They refuse to talk about it. And this is how people get stuck. There is a third why that it bears mentioning and not getting, and that is people who are, it's the opposite side of this, which is why we're not going to talk about it today. But it's people who are like, okay, I know what I want to do, but I'm not really sure why I want to do it. And, and that's probably an episode all to its own. The short answer there is then just hold off until you know the why and do small pieces of whatever the project is. But coming back to the trauma side of it, if, if you feel like you need a why or the behavior side of it, 
where you feel stuck, if you feel like you need a why to move forward, you're probably in trouble. Here's one of the, the key points of something that I just believe is true about life. Insight is not necessary for change. It's helpful though, but it's not necessary. Often people think insight is necessary. We want to make the psychological science is a hard science and they're not. And so what we have to decide is, okay, well, what do I do if I don't find this why? If I don't understand why this happened to me, if I can't gain this insight, what do I do? And, and the short answer is what you do is you figure out who you want to become. How do you move forward? And here's the trick. I was just talking to a client recently and we were talking about a similar situation to this. And I kept saying, okay, you can hold two things in tension. You can hold the desire to want to know because there's still that possibility and you can figure out how you move forward. And, and he kept saying to me, well, I don't want to move on. I don't want to be a doormat. I don't want to move on. And I, and I finally, after about 30 minutes, I pointed, I said, I keep saying, what does it mean to move forward? You keep responding with you. You, you don't know how to move on. Those are two different things. The move on tends to imply, I'm just going to pretend it didn't happen. And I would never advocate for that. But we can advocate for, I know it happened. I believe it happened. I bear the wounds in my body and my soul that it happened. I don't know why it happened and I can move forward. I can become a person that transcends my abuse. For the parents who are reacting too strongly either to their children or they're not reacting strongly enough or they just get that deer in headlights look anytime their wife is like or their husband is like, hey, I thought we weren't going to do that. And they can't find the, the, the thing in the past that makes it all make sense. You don't have to know that to behave a certain way. You can transcend that trigger. I hate that word. But you can transcend that trigger to move forward to be the parent that you want to be, to be the person that you want to be. But here's the trick. You're not going to transcend it in the moment. You're not going to be there in the moment and suddenly be like, oh yeah, she's criticizing me. And for the last seven years of our marriage, anytime that she has told me something I didn't do wrong, I took it as criticism and I reacted poorly. And this time I'm not in the moment. What you need to do is actually set up a plan for how will you respond differently. Or And this, this really translates out to anything. Have you ever met a person that just you just feel like you act differently around them? I know that I do, and and I don't always know why. I have ideas. Uh, I'm going to go meet with somebody later today that, quite frankly, I'm not all that excited about. I don't know that I'll actually meet with them. I'm going to be at a place where they're at, and there's a chance we'll run into each other because they're running it. And I'm not all that excited. I don't know for sure how that's going to go, but it doesn't matter if I can understand it or not. We have this false belief that we have to have insight about the why in order to move forward. And, and that's not accurate because moving forward says I'm where I'm at today for a variety of reasons. Some of them are not my responsibility. Some of them people did things to me or perpetrated on me or even maybe had the best of intentions but left me in a space or, or created a space that isn't helpful to my mental health. And that's reality. Some of the reasons that I'm in the spot I'm in today are because decisions that I made, right? Decisions work like money, I think, and they have compounding effects. And, and the more we dig in, the more typically the compounding effect is. But, but moving forward says, I'm where I'm at today for a variety of reasons. And, and there are parts of where I'm at today that I can improve by taking ownership of my life and figuring out where I want to go and how do I get there. What are those necessary steps for change that I need to engage in? 
and we can do that by hanging on to looking forward. Now, I'm a huge fan of trying to figure out how your past has affected you. I am. I'm a huge fan of, I used to say to students when I was a teacher, it's important to know where you come from because that helps you understand where you're going. With that said, I don't have to understand every facet of why I do something to change it. The false belief that we have today is that research is, is always accurate, and it rarely is. And, and two, that somehow we can look at our past and be like, okay, well, 37% of kids who went through this experience in third grade did this as an adult, so, so that means that I at least have one-third of a possibility that that's what, that's what I'm, I'm going to do. No, maybe, because maybe that research that you're reading won't work. Oh, wait, we just took a hard turn. How did we get into research? One of the things that I've been asking my friends again and again in the last three years is, what are the dangers of letting research where words like like, maybe, possibly, could be, uh, it might happen, it could happen, it could be related, those types of phrases and words are used, what are the dangers of letting that run your life? Because there has to be dangers to it. Joe, that's a universal statement. I know. Then the question becomes... Who do you want to be? And, and yes, we want to know the why for that. And we've spent a lot of time the last two weeks talking about that, last three weeks. Why do you want to be that person? Right? But what is the behaviors that represent that person? That's what you're looking to do. And you need to spend time on that. So if you're a parent and you agree with your spouse that you're reacting too strongly to your kids... You need to come up with a plan of the, of the one or two reactions that you're going to have. And as a side note, ladies, the number one thing I see in my office and when I talk to other therapists I'm hearing about is immature men. Just immature men of any age. I mean, I know a guy that's in his 40s and he was whining and crying because he didn't have any time off in nine years of working. He only had two weeks of vacation a year and he worked 12 hours a week. I, that, that was a 40-something-year-old man. He's immature, and his wife is carrying an extra burden. I, I know of men, right, anytime they're criticized, they just lose their minds and melt down. Well, Joe, that's a trauma response. Maybe, maybe it is. But the truth is, even if it is a trauma response, they still have to do better. We can accept that there are things in our past that, that have set up the environment in which we respond out of now and still demand that we do better. If you're avoidant to the point where it is impacting your relationships and you feel lonely, you're going to have to risk relationships. If you are uh, anxious about relationships, now I'm not talking about anxious like, hey, I have anxiety disorder. I'm talking about anxious as an attachment. To the point where it's negatively affecting your relationships, you're going to have to ask yourself, what does a secure attacher do that I'm not doing? And then you're going to have to do those things. We, I think we want to make it, I, I think two things happen. A little bit, we want an excuse. Well, it's okay if I yell at my kids because my dad hit me and I'm doing better than him. I, I've literally had people tell me that. Uh, I had a, an abuser tell, tell his wife in the room with me, it, it's okay that I've abused you because I've never choked you out to the point of passing out like I saw my dad do to my mom. Right? That's that immature piece. Just insanity to me. And so we want excuses. And then the other thing is, if we can explain it, I think we feel like then we're off the hook responsibility-wise for our actions. And I just don't think we ever are. I do not care. 
I, I was talking to a person, a, a detective who uh, out in out west. She uh, she now does a podcast, and we we're talking about possibly me be going on that podcast. And I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think I don't think we quite align in a way that I would be comfortable with. But one of the things we were talking about was one of the things that frustrated her the most in her years as a, a an investigator was. A lot of times she would see two mistruths. One was a lot of people tend to say, well, you know, if you're abused, there's a high likelihood that you'll be an abuser. That just simply isn't true. It's in the high 90 percentile of people abused never abuse anyone. They transcend that abuse. And then the other one was, well, that abuser, you know, we should have some sympathy for him because he was probably abused as a child. And she was like, I just don't care about that. And I agree with her. I, I don't. I don't either, not in the context of, them abusing someone else. I don't care about what happened. You know, if you were abused as a child, that doesn't give you a right to abuse someone else. And so what you have to do is you have to figure out what are the behaviors that you need to engage in. Those behaviors might involve therapy. In fact, if you were abused, they probably do. If you are highly anxious, those behaviors probably involve therapy because therapy gives you tools to deal with your anxiety. Whatever it is, you have to figure out what are the behaviors that represent who I want to be. And you can hold in tension these two truths. I may not ever understand why something was done to me. I may not ever understand why I do this negative thing that I do. And at the same time, I can work towards becoming the person that I want to be by engaging in the behaviors that best represent the person that I want to be. What's really weird is if you do that sometimes, I would say probably about 50-50, the thing in the past that drove the initial poor behavior bubbles up to the surface. Now, that rarely happens with trauma if the person who, who, who did the trauma to you or the people who covered it up did the trauma to you. If they, if they covered it up and they refuse to talk or they've passed away, you can work on who you want to become, but you're probably going to hold in tension the, the desire to understand the why and without ever getting satisfaction for that. Because the other side of that is they might talk to you and you still don't really have satisfaction for that. Because one of the things that we try to do, and, and this is that whole hard science thing and research thing, is we're trying to make sense of something that doesn't make sense. If someone raped you when you were five, there's no rationale that's going to make that make sense. None. If someone raped you at any age, there's not any rationale that's going to make that make sense. It's one of the things that victims do, especially older victims. You know, well, I shouldn't have been there. I shouldn't have wore that outfit. What they're trying to do is they're trying to rationalize it. And I always say to them, you know what people who went to that that location expected? No, what? They expected to go to a party and go home safe. And someone violated that trust. That's the only rational statement. And at the same time, it doesn't make rational sense. Well, I shouldn't have made my dad matter. I see this a lot with domestic violence, uh, spouse to spouse. Well, okay, yeah, but I'm I'm guilty too. Irrelevant. And, and just as a side note, Yesterday, Jawan Howard, yesterday as of this recording, Jawan Howard uh, hit someone in the end of a line. If you don't know who Jawan Howard is, he's the Michigan coach. And he smacked somebody upside the head. And, and there's all this mental gymnastics to defend him. I think the man should be fired. Because here's the thing. I don't care if, well, the other guy put his hand on him first. He was trying to, do, he was trying to get the guy's attention away from one of his players. Irrelevant. He struck somebody. And as long as we tolerate excuses for abuse... Abuse will go on. We don't have to make sense of the things that can't be made sense of. That's that's it. 
Yeah, but come on, Joe. That's not abuse. It was a, it was a sports game. I've never understood our society's okay. Like if you do that on the street, that's assault. But if you do it in a basketball court, it's okay. That's another day. It does to me highlight the problem with sports. We're more interested in winning than we are in actually teaching character. That's a side note. I do want to say though that it is endemic of this idea of, well, if we can make sense of it, we can excuse it. And that's hogwash. We can't excuse it. It can't be excused. Now, it doesn't have to define the rest of his life. Of course not. I don't believe that. But it does have to define this part of his life right now. And a person that's the head coach of a million-dollar, multi-million-dollar industry, college sports program, should not be hitting other people, period. Incidentally, and, and this would actually be a fun one, Juwan Howard's teams all have the same problem. They don't play well under pressure. Ironically, their coach doesn't seem to coach well under pressure. I actually don't think that's ironic at all. I'm using my dry humor. They tend to fall apart when the pressure's on, much like Juwan Howard does. That's been, in, that's been part of his career from the time he was with the Fab Five all the way through the pros. But we're not here to talk about that, although that is a fun conversation. Nah. No organization, no family will outpace its leadership, period. It just won't. Your kids will not outpace you until they become adults. And if you're an adult who suffered a severe trauma as a child, obviously we hope that our kids don't experience that. But how you respond to that will help your kids learn how they respond to traumas. And they'll have different traumas, hopefully way less severe, but they'll still have traumas. Okay, so for you, what does all this mean? Well, what I hope this means is that for you, you'll take some time today over the next few days, and I want you to consider who do you want to be and where are you not exhibiting those behaviors currently? Whatever it is, I don't care. There's nothing like, oh, that's too big for me or too small. No, no, that's great. Whatever it is, you, you, you chase that. What are the behaviors that you need to engage in in order to best represent that, uh, that person, best represent becoming that person? That's what I want you to look at over the next few days. All right. All right. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this, please share it with your friends. One of the ways that we gain value in life is by sharing things that we find value in in life. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.